It's more about the way they do things rather than what they believe. Sue Bolin explains abusive churches now on Probe. We're all familiar with traditional cults such as the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. But there are other groups with cultic characteristics that don't fit the same profile as the traditional cults. Sometimes called abusive churches or even Bible-based cults, they appear outwardly orthodox in their doctrinal beliefs. What distinguishes these groups or churches from genuine Orthodox Christianity is their abusive, cultic-like methodology and philosophy of ministry. In his book, Churches That Abuse, Dr. Ronald N. Roth carefully examines several of these churches throughout the United States. He reveals the cultic methods these groups use and points out several distinguishing marks of abusive churches. First, abusive churches have a control-oriented style of leadership. Second, the leaders of such churches often use manipulation to gain complete submission from their members. Third, there's a rigid legalistic lifestyle involving numerous requirements and minute details for daily life. Fourth, denouncing other churches is common because they see themselves as superior to all other churches. Fifth, these churches tend to change their names often, especially once they're exposed by the media. Sixth, these churches have a persecution complex and view themselves as being persecuted by the world, the media, and other Christian churches. Seventh, abusive churches specifically target young adults between 18 and 25. The eighth mark of abusive churches is the great difficulty members have in getting out of or leaving these churches, a process often marked by social, psychological, or emotional pain. Those involved in a church that seems to reflect these characteristics would be wise to evaluate the situation thoroughly and leave the church if it's appropriate. Staying may increase the risks of damaging your family relationships and multiplies the likelihood of losing your perspective. Members of such churches often develop a distorted view of reality, distrust everyone, and suffer from stress, fear, and depression. Some former members even continue to experience these things after escaping from an abusing church. There are also several documented cases in which associating with an abusive church has led to the deaths of individuals or their relatives. It's important that Christians know the Bible and know how to recognize such churches so as not to fall into their traps. You've been listening to Probe with your host, Sue Bolin. To learn more of this tragic subject on abusive churches, get your free copy of Dr. Pat Zuckerin's transcript at probe.org. Then join us next time here on Probe. This week, we're examining characteristics of abusive churches. A central feature of an abusive church is control-oriented leadership. The leader in an abusive church is dogmatic, self-confident, arrogant, and the spiritual focal point in the lives of his followers. The leader assumes that he is more spiritually in tune with God than anyone else. He claims insight into scripture that no one else has. Or he may claim that he receives personal revelations from God. So no one is allowed to question the leader's position and beliefs. Questioning the leader is the equivalent of questioning God. Although the leader may not come out and say it quite like that, this attitude is clearly revealed by the treatment of those who dare to question or challenge the leader. Individual thinking is prohibited, so the followers become dependent on the leader. 
In the hierarchy of such a church, the leader is or tends to be accountable to no one. If there is an elder board, it's usually made up of men who are loyal to the leader and will never disagree with him. This style of leadership is not biblical. According to Scripture, all believers have equal access to God, and we are all under the authority of the Word of God. The book of Acts says that even the Apostle Paul was under the authority of the Bible, and the Bereans were commended because they tested Paul's teachings with the Scriptures. Abusive churches are also characterized by the use of manipulation. Members are forced to submit to the leadership of the church through manipulative tactics like guilt, peer pressure, intimidation, and threats of divine judgment from God for disobedience. Ridicule and humiliation accompany harsh discipline, which is carried out publicly for maximum effect. Another tactic is the shepherding philosophy. Members must reveal all personal thoughts and feelings and discuss future decisions with a more experienced member. This personal information is not used to help members, but to control them. Another means of control is isolation. Abusive churches may cut off contact between a new member and his family, friends, and anyone else not associated with the church. How different this style of leadership is from the leadership of Jesus, the Good Shepherd, who lovingly, gently, humbly, and sacrificially leads his sheep. This week we're examining characteristics of abusive churches. The third characteristic is the rigid, legalistic lifestyle of their members. This rigidity is a natural result of the leadership style. Abusive churches require unwavering devotion to the church from their followers. This devotion has priority over allegiance to God, family, or anything else. Often members are required or pressured to attend Bible studies five, six, or even seven days a week. They are required to do evangelism. A certain quota of contacts must be met. Some churches even require members to fill out time cards recording how many hours they spent. Former members of one church told us they were working for their church from 5 a.m. to midnight, five days a week. Members of these types of churches frequently drop out of school, quit working, or even neglect their families to do the work required by the church. Guidelines for dress, dating, finances, and other areas are of major importance in these churches. People begin to lose their personal identity and start acting like programmed robots. Many times, the pressure and demands of the church will cause a member to have a nervous breakdown or fall into severe depression. We are reminded of Jesus' words concerning the Pharisees who tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger. What a contrast from the leadership style of Jesus who said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A fourth characteristic is that abusive churches often denounce all other Christian churches, seeing themselves as spiritually elite. They feel that they alone have the truth and all other churches are corrupt, so they don't associate with other Christian churches. In his book, Churches That Abuse, Dr. Ron N. Roth quotes a former member of one such group. Although we didn't come right out and say it, in our innermost hearts, we really felt that there was no place in the world like our assembly. We thought the rest of Christianity was out to lunch. But the Bible makes it clear that there are no spiritually elite groups or churches. We're called to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. This week we're examining the heartbreaking characteristics of abusive churches. Since this program first aired in 1993, we've received emails almost weekly from people around the world still nursing the wounds from abusive churches. A fifth characteristic of abusive churches is a pattern of constantly changing the name of the church or campus ministry. Often a name change is a response to unfavorable publicity by the media. Some abusive churches have changed their name several times in the course of just a few years. The sixth characteristic is that abusive churches expect persecution in the world and even feed on it. Criticism and exposure by the media are seen as proof that they are the true church being persecuted by Satan. However, the persecution received by abusive churches is different from the persecution received by Jesus and the Apostles. They were persecuted for preaching the truth. Abusive churches bring on much of their negative press because of their own actions. Yet any criticism received, no matter what the source, whether Christian or secular, is always viewed as an attack from Satan, even if the criticisms are based on the Bible. This makes it difficult to witness to a person in such a church, because he will see your attempt to share the gospel with him as persecution. Often in cases like these, when my colleague Pat Zucaran is accused of persecuting, he simply replies, Look, I'm here talking to you about the Word of God, which you say you believe. How can this be persecution? This approach often helps in continuing the dialogue with a member of an abusive church who's been brainwashed to believe that all opposition is persecution. The seventh characteristic of abusive churches is that they tend to target young adults ages 18 to 25 who are in the middle class, well-educated, idealistic, and often immature Christians. Young adults are the perfect age group to focus on because they're often looking for a cause to give their lives to, and they need love, affirmation, and acceptance. Often these churches will provide this, and the leaders frequently take the role of surrogate parents. Tomorrow we'll conclude with the eighth characteristic of abusive churches, the painful process of leaving. The eighth characteristic of an abusive church is a painful and difficult exit process. Members in many such churches are afraid to leave because of intimidation, pressure, and threats of divine judgment. Sometimes members who exit are harassed and pursued by church leaders. The majority of the time, former members are publicly ridiculed and humiliated before the church, and members are told not to associate in any way with any former members. This practice is called shunning. Many who leave abusive churches because of the intimidation and brainwashing actually feel they've left God himself. None of their former associates will fellowship with them, and they feel isolated, abused, and fearful of the world. One former member of a particular campus ministry said, If you leave without the leadership's approval, condemnation and guilt are heaped upon you. My pastor told me he thought it was satanic for me to leave and wondered if I could continue my salvation experience. How can we reach those who are involved in abusive churches? First, we must begin with prayer. Often, leaders will not allow an individual to meet with an outsider unless accompanied by an older, more experienced person who's trained in debating or intimidation. Pray for a chance to speak and for them to be open to what we have to share. Second, 
lovingly confront the person and surface some biblical issues. Often abusive churches have a bizarre teaching or a theological error that can be pointed out. The leader of one church had strange teaching based on his claims of extra-biblical revelations from God. These included dietary laws, sexual behavior, and even home decorations. Pointing out errors and consistencies in bizarre beliefs may open the individual's mind and prompt him to begin asking questions. Third, share articles you may find in the newspaper or in magazines on a particular church under discussion. The book Churches That Abuse is an excellent resource. The key is to get the individual to start asking questions and research answers for himself. Tell him to test everything with the scriptures and not to be afraid to ask questions. If the leader is afraid or hesitant to answer a member's honest questions, the maturity of that leadership may be suspect. Remember Jesus' great promise, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.